welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. Boosting your charisma, rhetoric, a public speaking board game, and more. This is what we are going to talk with today's special guest, who is in Barcelona, Spain. Our guest today is Florian Muck. Florian, how are you? Oh, I'm great. It's again sunny. I'm suffering from eternal sun here in Barcelona. <laughs> what a lucky, lucky guy. <laughs> great. Florian Muck is a corporate trainer for communication seminars, a keynote speaker, presentation coach, and he's author of two books, The Seven Minute Star and Plus Plus. In 2012, he introduced Rhetoric, the public speaking game. He's also been TEDx speaker and he's Toastmasters since 2005. Florian, could you tell us more about yourself and your projects? Oh, it's, it always sounds good when somebody else tells all these things. It's funny because they all evolved one by one and more or less with idealism. The, the big change is I, I left KPMG where I was a business consultant for 3,013 days for the mathematicians among you. This is eight years and three months. I was working in Germany, I was working in Spain. Then I had a European dream to organize a festival, a cultural festival in Berlin. I left KPMG, never got funding. Six months later, I was bankrupt and then I had to act. And I acted and I turned my passion for public speaking, which I had gathered in five years in Toastmasters, I turned it into a profession. And the first, now it's the fifth year at the edge of the sixth year. The first two years were horrible. Everybody knew me as a KPMG guy. Nobody knew me as a, as a speaker, as a trainer, of course not. The third year was promising. The fourth year was very good. And the fifth year now it's very consolidated with, with corporate clients across 15 sectors. And I worked for 37 clients in three languages all over Europe. Now it sounds all fancy and cool, but the beginning was very, very complicated. Yes, I can imagine. So when was the year when you say you became a public speaker? Well, Ralph W. Emerson, the American poet and writer, he says that is on my rhetoric board game partner's website, John Zimmer's website. It's on top of his website. It's his slogan. He says, W. Emerson said, all great speakers were bad speakers at the beginning. And I always loved to talk in my whole life. It came from my father. He inspired me, but I was a bad speaker probably i really turned into a passionate speaker when i joined toastmasters in october 2005 that was a big big change in my life because it turned into my absolute super passion i was a karaoke singer before <laughs> but it was not until i joined toastmasters that it really became a super passion i see that was the the turning point also talking about a uh, start because every speech Every good speech and also every great communication start with a strong opener. Could you rewind back to the past and share with us an opener that you remember in particular? That's like asking me 
if at the Barcelona beach with all the sand corns, I find one sand corn that is pretty brilliant. Well, that is tricky. Well, as a corporate trainer, you always have the advantage to hear a lot of other speeches. I counted and to date in five years, I've seen, evaluated and heard more than 3,500 speeches. And the ones that are sticky, that are really, really cool. So I, I copyright them. I also steal. Genius is steal, as somebody said. In one of my keynotes now, I start very simple. But I think the simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, as Da Vinci says. And, and I start the speech because I was so inspired by this one lady in Berlin. She did like this. She said, I am sorry. Pause. And after three heavy seconds, she continued, I cannot tell you only good things about my life. And another pause. And I thought that was brilliant. So I, I copyrighted her, I am sorry. I always tell people never say sorry on stage, but I think this is so cool. And in my keynote speech, I start with, I'm sorry. I'm super sorry. I'm super extremely sorry. But I cannot tell you possibly anything new today about communication because everything new about communication has been said by one man 2,300 years ago by Aristotle. And when I see people and I say, I'm sorry, so simplistic, they really pay attention. I preach five starts and probably the best way to start always is a personal anecdote starting with a point of time in the past. Every speech that starts with three months ago, four years ago, 20 years ago, last Christmas, I gave you my heart is a great start by definition. Simplicity, definitely. Could you tell us now about one stage fright moment? How do you feel and what did you learn from that? Wow. The good thing about stage fright is it's an instinct, of course. We're exposed to strangers and it's always an instinct. We want to run away and the heartbeat in the neck and, and the no, no liquid in your mouth. And all my liquid in the mouth is in the palm of my hand. I never understood how that happens. The funny thing is now with nine years of speaking and with five years of professional speaking, I come from a village in northern Bavaria, 1,813 souls. And there's a carnival club and we have a carnival session, five hour session with dance and speeches and singing. And my father was carnival's president for 11 years. My mom was on stage for 25 years. So I thought four years ago, I have to keep the legacy alive. And so I started to be a carnival speaker in my village. And guess what, two years ago, it was a rhymed speech Rhyme speech. It means every line I have to know. And since I'm a professional speaker, my pride did not let me take notes with me. And I thought just before the speech, five minutes before, I forget all the text. I forget all the text. My text going to be gone. What am I going to do when I lose my text? And I was so nervous. <laughs> and I had two pints of beer just because I was so nervous. And the heartbeat was back and my mouth was dry. And I thought I forgot the text. The beautiful thing about this whole public speaking is You never know when it hits you back. I think we're humans and this is wonderful. The only difference is now I don't care about it anymore. Wow. What an interesting stage fright moment, but that's true. You just don't care about that. And I'm sure at this, at this point of your career is... Wow. Now talking more about your, your projects, what you have been doing lately. I know that your second book is called Plus Plus. Patterns for Better Communication. What is Plus Plus all about? I was 
attending the annual conference in Kuala Lumpur of Toastmasters International last August, in August 2014. I was one of the six featured speakers. It was a great honor to share stage with great American speakers, South African, Douglas Kruger, super speakers. And then we had in the breaks, we had the opportunity to sell our books. And so there was Douglas' book and my book and then Rory Vaden, Take the Stairs. He's a bestseller on, on the New York Times list. And, and I figured out that everyone went to Douglas' book and everyone went to Rory's book. Nobody took my book. <laughs> it's, it's a book plus plus patterns for better, for better communication that nobody knew what it's all about. So what is it about? I do always my evaluations on sheets of paper and I do on the left column, I do, I say plus and I take notes of everything speakers do well from my point of view. And on the right column, I put plus plus everything they could do even better. And then I collected these sheets of paper for more than a year. This is two years ago. And then once in the room where my little man, Alvaro, now eight years old, he always stays there when he stays with us over the weekend. And there are all these sheets were piling up and piling up and piling up. And then one day I thought, why don't I do something with it? And I took him and I'm a German, so I'm very structured and ordered. So I put him into Excel. I, I took all these patterns in Excel. I, I identified patterns like, like message reducing words, like potentially, maybe, hope, hopefully. So when I came up in the end with three different areas, content, delivery, and slides, and always with Boosters, things you do more than the speech is better, and breaks, do it less, and your speech becomes better. In total, it's one of the eight patterns that covers the whole range of public speaking and presentations. And the funny thing is, for the last two years, I have not found a 109th pattern. So it's very, very complete from my point of view, just that people don't know what it is. That is a big challenge for me as on the distribution side. It's um, it's my whole concept of giving only positive and constructive feedback and plus plus is my rule, only constructive feedback. No negative feedback is allowed. Excellent approach. And could you tell us a specific kind of feedback that you remember? There... You, you set the rules. I mean, I, in the trainings, I set the rules. And it's just in our, our Toastmaster meetings. By the way, in my club, Prestigious Speakers Barcelona, our evaluation sheets now are called Plus and Plus Plus mm -hmm. as well. But there is hidden enemies of Plus Plus feedback. And these are hidden enemies that people are not aware of when they use them. And my favorite enemy is the word T-O-O, the word two. You're from Peru. In Peru, it would be demasiado. <laughs> now, two is, is a subtle enemy because we don't really know that we're giving negative feedback when we use it. But it constantly happens that people would say something like, yeah, but you speak too fast. So what happens when you are the receiver of this information? You speak too fast. You speak too fast means... I am doing something wrong. This is what he tells me. It is past focused. In the past, you did something wrong. It's a slap in the face of the person. But of course, we don't want to say that. It just happens because it's our jargon. You speak too fast. The receiver of the information always smiles at you, but in his mind, he thinks, asshole. That's what happens, but he will never tell you. Now, if you turn this into 
less or more, and this is for me, plus plus feedback, then the receiver accepts the feedback. In this specific case, it would be, if you speak more slowly, then I can understand you better and I can follow your point more easily. What happens is I say exactly the same, but now it's not past and I don't, don't tell the person what they're doing wrong. I tell them what they can do better in the future. And that is a help for them. It's constructive and we accept more or less. We never accept two. This is one of the mm -hmm. examples of hidden enemies of the negative feedback set. Yeah, that's a, definitely a great way to express the feedback in a very positive way that is the most valuable. And talking about valuable feedback, one question I, I have is, how do we know that we are receiving valuable feedback? So we receive feedback, how do we know which is really valuable for us? I always compare it with the Gauss curve, the bell curve, do you know the bell curve, the normal distribution in statistics? Yes. The bell curve. This for me is, is the perception of an audience. That's a perception when you walk around of other people of you. The, in a training, normally I have eight to 10 people. There will always be 10 opinions on that curve. Mm -hmm. So every point is valid. That is the point. Every point is valid. That's the point. So you can never go and say one point is not valid. What is true though is that you have to know that 3% on that bell curve Whatever you do on stage, whatever you communicate, whatever you say will always think you're a complete idiot. And 3% will always think Oscar is a genius. And the truth is on the curve. So for me, when I hear feedback, I have to put that into a, into a perspective that I really base it on on experience, is it, is it one of those extremes or is it the curve? And then for me, every single point on that curve is valid. So I would always say every feedback that I receive, I treasure it. Okay. And still about feedback, what is the best feedback that you have received yourself? I always love to hear plus plus feedback because I always participate in the trainings now and in Toastmasters, of course, and I receive a lot of feedback. It's a great advantage, but I long for this plus-plus feedback. And when I really think what is repetitive, this is because when I speak, it's more like a performance, like in a big, big audience, it's, it turns into performance. I hear constantly, I could be more authentic. And I think this more authentic, more sincere, more vulnerable, more sharing yourself, this is a constant, constant potential for improvement for all of us as speakers. And I really treasure it every time they tell me. And then, of course, once in a while I use, I, every speech is different, and then I do really reveal my super inner self, and it's never there. But every time it's there, I know, ah, I could have done more. Next time I will do it. Okay. How do you come up with the idea of a board game? That, that was a story. Now, in where I live, I live outside in the mountains of Barcelona, 35 kilometers in a small mountain village called Bigas Iriels with Rose Chong. And Rose is also a Toastmaster. She's from my club. I got together back in the day with my president. Don't do that. And in the house where we live, there is a round table in, the, in an in-between floor. And there was always this Monopoly game. And it was 
hanging over the edge, almost falling. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, I was always going up and down and up and down the stairs. And I saw this Monopoly game. And one day I stopped and I thought, hey, wait a minute. There is a Star Wars Monopoly and there's a Metallica Monopoly. There should be a, a public speaking Monopoly. So I checked, <laughs> I checked the web and I investigated a little bit. Google and you know what? There is none. And then I looked for other games, public speaking games. There is none. Mm. And whenever there is nothing, create it yourself. <laughs> so I sat down, put it in PowerPoint. I walked up the Acropolis, the mountain, really, really with 56 fields, far too many, but it was the first draft. And as Plato says, the first, the, the most difficult part of work is the beginning. So I began. And then after one week or so of thinking, I thought, I cannot do this alone because I need, I need some, some brain next to me who's really, really good because mm -hmm. this, you need to, you need a sparring partner. You need to do this in, as a team. And I thought, who, who's the best in Europe that I could even think of? And that of course was John Zimmer. John Zimmer was just in Helsinki the other day doing, doing something up there with you guys. Yeah. Uh, John is a fabulous person and, and we are really good friends and, and ever since, I, he's a lawyer. That was also funny because he's a lawyer and lawyers never, it, they always say it depends and they never say, they never say yes or no. And so when I told him the idea, he said, yeah, I will sleep over next morning. I will, next day I will call you. At 9, p, at 9 a.m. he called and said, let's do it. And yeah, then the journey began. And now we are about to, we have had our first edition. We did 200. We sold them worldwide. And now comes with all the feedback that we received. I mean, this is the beauty of Toastmasters as a majority of clients because they always give you feedback. <laughs> and now, well, you know that. And now we have a second edition, almost starting production. We will produce thousands of them. And we are very, very, very looking forward to this because it will be even better. And it's a tremendously funny, humorous, educational, entertaining game that People really, really love. So that's rhetoric. Great. Florian, could you recommend us one book that has particularly inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? I was when I when I discuss with Connor Neal, do you know Connor Neal? He's a he's a friend of mine, he's persuasive communication there. Uh, professor at the IESE business school in Barcelona and we, we hang around a lot and John Zimmer, Connor Neal, they are really, really great readers. They read everything. I always say I don't read, I write. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm an extrovert and I, I just don't, but there is some books I really, really love. And the one, especially those, because I know in our community, there are many service providers or many even speakers who want to turn this into a profession. Now, the one book that definitely changed my whole attitude of service marketing, this is called Selling the Invisible. Selling the Invisible by an author called Harry Beckwith. Harry Beckwith, it was published in 1997. Selling the Invisible, short anecdotes about marketing of services. And this is applicable for everyone who deals with services. It's a beautiful book and it definitely helped me tremendously in my past. Hmm. Sounds really good. I haven't heard it, but I have to check it out. It's wonderful. We are almost at the end of the interview. And at this point, we would like 
for you to share us a routine to shine, share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend us to do it daily or weekly as a routine to shine. Oh, this is a bit psychopath now, but uh, that's um, what people call me uh, sometimes. They Sometimes they compare with Jim Carrey. This is funny because I, I love Jim Carrey. I'm a great fan of Jim Carrey. And me Jim too. Carrey's... Oh, yeah. How can you not be a fan of Jim Carrey? Now, in 1985, when his teeth still needed fixing, Jim Carrey said, he's from Canada, and in an interview on Canadian TV, he said, my best friend is the mirror. Now, it was not in 1985 that I began with it. It was much later, but I practice facial expressions every single moment whenever I have a mirror in front of me. Whether it's a hotel room where I work in another city or at home or even in elevators. Be careful when people come in and don't make a funny face when there's strangers coming into the elevator. <laughs> but come on, guys. You are for 20 minutes. You're in front of the mirror shaving, brushing the teeth, the ladies' makeup. You can train your, your smiles, your sad face. You want to know how you appear. And, and that's what I do tremendously often every day. I train my facial expressions with mirrors. What a great piece of advice, using the mirrors. <laughs> Florians, thank you very much. It was a really great interview. Thanks for sharing all these stories with us. And before saying goodbye, I would like to, to share with our listeners how they can learn more about you or follow you. What's the best way? Definitely the website. Florian, F-L-O-R-I-A-N. You will not remember that if I spell it so fast. Florian, M-U-E-C-K, Muik.com. Florian Muik. Or look for plus plus. Then you will find me. Sure. Definitely all this information is going to be on the show notes. So you just check the website and everything is going to be there. So this is all. Thank you very much for the interview. Enjoy the sunny time there in Barcelona. I and, will, definitely. And, and thank you so much, Oscar. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com Welcome to listen to us again next week.